Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, and mine to lead me through the night. The shelter of your wings, God's almighty presence. Psalm 61, verses 1 through 4. Oh God, listen to my cry, hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I will cry to you for help, for my heart is overwhelmed. My heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety, for you are my safe refuge, a fortress where no enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings, safe beneath your presence, your presence. Our hearts are feeling very overwhelmed today in the midst of all that has happened the last few months, especially the last few weeks. But, but, instead of feeling, of focusing on our inadequacy and spiraling into despair, we are going to focus on God. We are going to cry out to him, and he is going to respond. And we are going to find his strength in this time, because he promised that he was going to be there for us. We are learning to live safely beneath the shelter of his almighty wings. We are learning to live in his presence during this time. We are looking to God our towering rock of safety for help. He has promised never, never, never to fail us or forsake us. So when you're feeling overwhelmed in these next few weeks, read Psalm 61 aloud and express your love and worship to God. And his presence will come in. We're going to pray right now. We typically, during this time in our service, we come forward. Our ministry will anoint you with oil. But today you're in your homes. You're with a family member, a couple family members, or some friends maybe. And we all, all of you stand and hold hands with each other. And let's pray. Let's all pray together. The music team's going to help me pray. Lord, we cry to you for help today. You are our refuge even though our hearts are feeling so overwhelmed today, you alone can lead us to your towering rock of safety. You are our fortress, Lord, and our enemies scatter in your presence. We long to dwell with you forever and to rest beneath the shelter of your wings, your almighty presence in our lives. Thank you, almighty Jesus. Thank you for providing us a safe place for us to live, and that is in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. So very grateful for my wife leading us in prayer just now. Very grateful for her spirit and her demeanor. And her experience in the kingdom of God. Very grateful for our worship team and musicians putting together such a fitting, fitting collection of worship songs for this body at this time. 
I hope in the course of my life that I never forget Lang Chen. Chen participated in the student-led demonstrations that were held in Tiananmen Square in Beijing in 1989. The protests were forcibly suppressed on June 4th when the government declared martial law and sent the military to occupy central parts of Beijing. In what became known as the Tiananmen Square Massacre, troops with assault rifles and tanks fired at the demonstrators and those who were trying to block the military's advance into Tiananmen Square. Estimates of the death toll vary from several hundred to several thousands, with thousands more witness, wounded. Chen was there. Not long after that day in Tiananmen Square, I taught Chen a Bible study on the campus of the University of Toledo. Perhaps one reason I remember him is, is this easel. It's a desktop easel meant to set things up, a book for reading, papers for watching through, editing in my case. I use it just about every week since he gave it to me. When our Bible study, as we were working through beginning to end various highlights of the scripture, when our Bible study came to the New Testament, I discovered something that really stunned me. Chen had never heard the name of Jesus. He had no idea who Jesus is, none whatsoever. In stark contrast to that, I was born into a Christian home. All of my life, I've been taught scripture. I've been involved in a local congregation. I've been immersed in prayer in many venues. And there's no way, I absolutely do not know all there is to know about Jesus. However, my experience is far removed from the man who doesn't even know the name Jesus. And in between these spectrums of knowledge and experience are many who know about Jesus in varying degrees, varying levels of fact. Some know about Jesus firsthand, basing their understanding of him on scripture. Others only know Jesus through multiple human opinions, some of them positive and some of them negative. Some opinions informed and some uninformed. In the series of messages that we're currently in, we want to go deeper. We want to look beneath the surface and discover how Jesus explained himself. Our goal is to see Jesus in more dimensions, to expand our understanding of his value and his purpose for all of humanity, and particularly for us as individuals, we're going to look at Jesus beneath the surface. A couple of weeks ago, while we were still meeting in this auditorium, one of our living faithful folks requested special prayer for a client. On that day, Andrea's client had chosen death with dignity. 
or more commonly known as physician-assisted suicide. A terminally ill client was ending their life, and Andrea was greatly saddened by that choice. I wonder, who was it that decided that, that dying was undignified? Who was it that determined that suffering makes life less meaningful? How did our society come to accept that only easy or painless life has meaning? How, how is it we've come to believe that only young or mobile life has meaning in our society? I wonder. On that very same day that I spoke with Andrea, I also spoke to another one of our living faithful saints. And during that conversation, Dwayne spoke about the time in his life where he suffered a severe accident and he was hospitalized in a burn unit. He was in very, very serious condition. And reflecting on that time, Dwayne said this to me, people don't understand. When you're in that place, you hang on to every bit of life that you have. Now, that's, that's a completely different view from the death with dignity crowd. People today have conflicting views about life. Of course, the reason you're watching this online message is because of our value of life. Ultimately, the worldwide concern about COVID-19 is its rapid spread and its mortality rate. Whether for ourselves, our loved ones, or our neighbors, we don't want people losing their life. Oftentimes, in preparation for a message, I like to search definitions for greater understanding. And so, I searched for the definition of life. I expected to happen what normally happens. I would immediately get a definition to pop up on my screen from Merriam-Webster's or dictionary.com, some straightforward site giving me a clear definition. Instead, I found an unusually large range of posts. Things like this post from the BBC. Most of us probably do not need to think too hard to distinguish living things from the non-living, writes Josh Gabatis. A human is alive, a rock is not easy, he writes. Scientists and philosophers do not see things quite as clearly. They've spent millennia pondering what it is that makes something Alive, Great minds from Aristotle to Carl Sagan have given it some thought, and they still have not come up with a definition that pleases everyone. He writes this, In a very literal sense, we do not yet have a meaning for life. If anything, the problem of defining life has become even more difficult over the last 100 years or so. Until the 19th century, listen to this, one prevalent idea, up until the 19th century, one prevalent idea about life was this. It was special due to the presence of an intangible soul 
or vital spark. The idea, this idea, he writes, has now fallen out of favor in scientific circles. It's been superseded by more scientific approaches. NASA, for instance, has described life as a self-sustaining chemical system capable of Darwinian evolution. Wow, doesn't that feel warm and fuzzy? But NASA is just one of many attempts to pin down all of life with a simple description. In fact, he writes, over 100 definitions of life have been proposed. Finally, Josh concludes his post with this. To make matters worse, different kinds of scientists have different ideas about what is truly necessary to define something as alive. It is surprisingly difficult to pin down the difference between living and non-living things. You know, you read something like that, and it's no wonder that societies today are approaching life from such confusing perspectives. Since we have walked away from the concept in the 1900s that life is unique because of a soul, now there are more than 100 definitions and no universal agreement. I would say, though, today, if we will search a bit deeper into Scripture, we're going to discover this. Jesus Christ is life. He made himself very clear on this point in the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 11 and verse 25. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can follow with me. The scripture records this. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after Dying In Jesus' own words and by his own description, Jesus is life. But what does Jesus really mean by life? How is life in Christ defined? For just a few more moments, I want us to discover what Jesus meant by life. In one instance, Jesus defined the life he gives by contrasting it to that work of a thief. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, again, follow me along if you will. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So we we first learn what life in Jesus is not. The thief steals, the thief kills, the thief destroys, but Jesus does not operate that way. Jesus' life is never harmful. He, He didn't come to attack or to wreck or to spoil anyone's lives. Instead, he said, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus' life gift to humanity is a positive gift. He gives life. His purpose is to provide life. And his life that he provides, it's more than a nominal life. Because he said, my purpose is to give them a rich 
and satisfying life. Can I say today to those who may not know a true definition of life, can I say to those who might be struggling with what's happening in their own lives, can I let you know that Jesus Christ is life and he provides and offers as a gift full life, abundant life, overflowing life. And when you and I turn to this life in Jesus, when we accept the gift that he is offering us, we are right that we can expect then satisfaction and abundant fulfillment. That's the way that Jesus defined life that he gives. In other records, Jesus defines this life he gives a little bit more. In John chapter 10, still in that same gospel, this time verse 28, John 10, 28, Jesus said this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. I give them eternal life and they will never perish perish you know perhaps today's environment presents a a very good time to evaluate life as we are currently living it as many of our typical activities come to a, a screeching halt what is it that we miss and why do we miss those things we're living in what some have called a new normal. Routines have changed. Habits have changed. Schedules and locations have changed. Students are home from school. Though they're accustomed to Christmas break and spring break and summer break, this break is different. It wasn't planned and students and parents didn't have time to repair. And this, this break isn't a chosen break. Right now, workers are missing shifts. Thankfully, in many cases, companies are paying wages for a two-week period. Of course, workers usually look toward two weeks with pay away from work. We call those vacations. And workers look forward to those every year. But this one wasn't planned. We didn't have time to prepare for this. It isn't a chosen change. In the case of workers, there's even particular concern for income beyond the end of this month. And as we're able, next week the message is Jesus is the true vine. He's our conduit. He is our source. But truly, here in the great northwest in the Seattle region, over relatively few days... Our natural lives have changed. But followers of Jesus maintain hope because our eternal lives remain. As circumstances around us draw our attention to the immediacy and the here and now and the natural, I compel us that by the cause of God's word, we need to realize, we need to maintain a view on the eternal. 
In John chapter 6 and verse 27, Jesus is recorded as saying this, Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. I wonder if that verse was posted outside of any of our grocery stores in the last few weeks. Jesus' direct guidance is particularly powerful in the uncommon times that we are living in right now. He says, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that he gives. Every day, it seems, there are new developments that cry for our attention during the spread of this virus, and we're wise to stay current. It's not wise to become so engrossed, however, with perishable things that we lose sight of Jesus' eternal life. It, it's always good to seek eternal life in Jesus Christ, but can I say it's particularly good to look toward the eternal when natural life contains so much uncertainty. I don't know about you. I can't speak for your experience, but I'll tell you about me. I am encouraged when I hear the words of Jesus saying, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give to you. Seek the eternal life. How might we accomplish just that? A couple of quick things. Near the end of the Apostle John's Gospel, he, he gave his readers his purpose for writing his Gospel. In John chapter 20 and verse 31, John wrote this, but these, in other words, the gospel records, the things he penned, these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. You and I can spend our energy seeking eternal life when we read and review and meditate on the gospels within the pages of those first four books of the new testament in matthew mark luke and john we find and consider the many aspects of christ jesus character and and we read about his miraculous and powerful works we discover his incredible teachings within the pages of the gospels these gospels john said are designed to inspire you and i that as we read them as we review them as we think about them that we believe believe in the Messiah as Jesus Christ. We, we keep believing and we enjoy life by the power of his name. That happens when we spend regular time in the gospels. That's energy well spent. And while various publications are suggesting to all of us how we might spend additional time in our homes, be it from streaming sources or library sources or ebooks. I would suggest the regular time in the Gospels is energy well spent. 
One more suggestion for spending our energy in these interesting times. James chapter 5, verse number 13. James writes this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. A couple of times in that passage, the writer pens, Among you. Is any among you sick? Is any among you suffering? As is validated many times in the New Testament, connection with fellow followers is not just valuable, it is expected to succeed as a disciple. So first of all, let me say this. If you're watching this video service today and you're not connected to other disciples and you need someone to join with you in prayer, I invite you to visit our website, livingfaithministries.church and click on the icon that says need prayer. If you'll contact us, we'll respond and we will pray with you. Now, for those who are already connected to the body of Christ, I'm inspiring by the word of God that we reach out to one another and we pray with and for one another. In these times, thank God we have the technology that we do, not only to share this service online, but we can pick up a cell phone and we can make a call. And we can catch up with some people we haven't physically been able to connect with. But I ask you to do this, not just calling fellow followers, not just calling fellow believers. I, we do need to make sure we check on their care. We need to check that they have supplies. We need to look out for one another. But before you end the call, can I invite you to say this? Can we pray together before we hang up? I could use some additional prayer benefits. Would you join with me? And let's pray together over this phone. Connecting with one another. Praying with one another. That's energy well spent in pursuit of the eternal life that Jesus gives to us. Jesus is life. He's satisfying life he's abundant life he is eternal life time in the gospels prayer with one another just a couple of ideas for seeking that eternal life in jesus christ when we spend our energy on such things our confidence and our peace are elevated as we trust in jesus in conclusion this morning I want to note the passage from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, looking at verse 
number 35, then we'll jump to 37. Here's what the scripture records. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Look at verse 37, pretty clear. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And in case you and I didn't get the point, like a preacher often does, he explains it in another way. And in verse 38, Paul wrote, I am convinced nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. From that powerful passage and these other reminders in the life of Christ. I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. And as we pray. You're in your kitchen. You're in your living room. A great room. Whatever. I invite you to gather near those who are viewing with you at home. If standing makes that easier, great. Maybe you'll hold hands. Maybe you'll put an arm around one another. Living in that household, it's time to encourage one another. I'm going to start off this prayer, but listen. After a few sentences, my voice will fade. And the music will continue. And as my voice fades away, I am leaving you in every home to finish this prayer. To continue this prayer. To encourage one another in prayer. To enjoy the powerful and eternal life that is in Jesus Christ. When we begin praying, I'll suggest just maybe it would be helpful if you close your eyes and you get a picture of Jesus in your mind. Maybe you envision his tanned skin and his Middle Eastern facial structure. Maybe you picture some caring eyes and a strong loving smile. But with whatever picture that is, when that man is in your that picture's in your mind, I want us to pray together and to welcome the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now together, everyone throughout this area in various homes and various settings, let's pray right now. Jesus, Lord, I turn my attention to you. I focus, Lord, my eyes upon you. I, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you are life. I, I believe that you are abundant life. And I believe that that abundant life is also eternal life. I trust your eternal life. Lord, 
I'm inviting you to visit me right now. I'm inviting your life to visit me right now. To inviting your glory, Lord, into our home and into our family, Lord Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord, to remind us, Lord, of your inseparable love. Remind us, Lord, that you are constantly with us. Lord, Jesus, we welcome your full life into our individual lives. We welcome, Lord, your full life into our families' lives. Lord, we turn to you, Jesus. We look to you, Jesus. We desire the life that only you can give. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church.